0: Hello, friends, and welcome to the show. This episode of HR Oxygen is brought to you by Boss Builders University. If you're looking to train up your supervisors and managers, please check out our newest offering, The Art of Being a Great Boss. In this 13-month program, I'll be taking your managers through a driving results curriculum, and that includes topics on communication, performance management, motivation, delegation, problem solving, decision making, team development, and much more. The sessions are virtual, running one hour each month, and I'll do it using our popular sketch and seminar, graphic art and storytelling format. No boring PowerPoints, stale stories, and outdated tools and techniques. The sessions are engaging and provide tactical practical tools that can be used immediately after the sessions. You can either have your entire organization take our program, or if you have just a few folks, join one of our open enrollment cohorts that start every other month. For more information visit us online at thebossbuilders.com you know on the podcast we like to have different types of folks on our podcast you know we've had consultants we've had coaches we've had speakers we've had lawyers we've even had a couple mixed martial arts fighters but we've never had somebody who is a world record holder so who is this person our guest today is Matthew Mosley now this guy knows a ton of people he is. He runs in some pretty important circles, and the more we talk, the more I realize, man, this guy knows all the important people on this planet. He is an open-water swimmer, which means he swam across places like Lake Train. In fact, we talk about that in the show. He swam down the Green River, set world records. He's also the author of the book, Ignition, Superior Communication Strategies for Creating Stronger Connections. We're going to talk to Matthew about both areas of his life. We'll spend some time talking about his open water swimming. We'll talk about some of the important people he's rubbed shoulders with. And then we want to get into the techniques of the book because if the HR professional that you are, you know that superior communication is super important. So let's quit talking about the man. Let's talk to him. You know what time it is. It's time to make sure that personal items under the seat in front of you, make sure your seat belt is buckled and fastened tightly around your hips. Time for us to taxi to the runway.
1: Should the cabin lose pressure, oxygen masks will drop from the overhead area. Please place the mask over your own mouth and nose before assisting others. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the HR Oxygen Podcast, the show focused on the overworked, overwhelmed, and underappreciated HR professional. And now, here is the host of our show, the boss builder, Mac Monroe.
0: Matt Mosley welcome to the show thank you it's so nice to be here Mac thank you for having me yeah it's our pleasure I mean this is going to be some exciting stuff you have done many many things so what we're going to do because our audience is primarily HR you know they want something that's tactical practical HR so I will lead this with this you are the author of ignition superior communication strategies for making stronger connections that's going to be the overarching umbrella you're an author but you've also done a lot of other interesting things. You actually get in the water every now and then, don't you? I call it my early morning job is open water swimming. Wow. So, so what I'd like to do is I'd like to get into some of the, the principles in your book, but you have such an interesting background. I'd really like us to start there. So Matt, I was hoping you could just take us on a journey, kind of your story and the, some of the things that you've done, you've done some amazing things for a guy to have his own Wikipedia page. That's pretty damn impressive. So uh, I am going to sit down and I'm going to make notes and I'm just going to listen intently. So tell us about yourself.
2: Well, Mac, thank you very much. I uh, You do me a very kind service there. But, uh, you know, I've I've had a lot of fun through my career and a lot of interesting experiences. Um, and about, you know, six years ago, I wanted to put those into a book that sort of capsulized you know, and crystallize what I believed in life and my approach to life. And, you know, I started out about 25 years ago in media communications, really cutting my teeth in political campaigns and then using those skills to for organizations and for causes, different uh, nonprofits and, and also for corporations. I've worked with AT&T. I work with utility companies right now education associations and all sorts of different organizations. And they all have something in common that I work with, and that's communication challenges, whether it's a crisis or an external issue or a threat, or for instance, you know, working with an education association who just wanted to increase public education funding. And right now I work a lot with American rivers, which is the nation's leading river advocacy organization to protect free flowing wild rivers in America. And, you know, we believe that water is probably the most critical issue of our time. And so I wanted to uh, investigate how people used communications in their own lives and for for different success. And so that's what the Ignition book is about. And I'm looking forward to kind of jumping in there and talking about some of these principles uh, that I learned about uh, writing this book. Um, And so I we were joking, right, that I have a I have my day job, which is my consulting practice and um, issue management and working with clients and our and our and our firm, Ignition Strategy Group. I have my night job, which is as an author and writer and a speaker and trainer. And then I I joke I have my early morning job, which is as a open water swimmer. Right, and um, we can talk a little bit more about some of the lessons that I've learned from from that and how they apply to life. But I've had a great time. I've got five uh, different world records in open water swimming and was just recently the first person to swim 40 miles down the green river through canyon lands in the desert outside of moab utah so yeah we've been having a good time out there on the road (laughs) and and doing a
0: lot of fun stuff mac well let's let's start with the swimming because when somebody hears open water swim what does open water swimming actually mean
2: (laughs) yeah sure well you know um i came to it you know i in high school, I wasn't that great of a swimmer. I I was all right. I wasn't going to get a college scholarship. Um, I wasn't super fast, but I did love it. And so I came back to it, uh, after graduate school and my wife and I went on a canoe trip and I brought my goggles and I just started swimming in the Colorado river. And I realized how beautiful it was because there was no lane lines. There was no clock. And there was not even a coach telling you what to do (laughs) and you could you could basically it was really a freedom of swimming and so what i've tried to do and just building and building on this for for 25 30 years is finding bodies of water that are just really interesting and that nobody has swam before uh for instance uh i did a swim for 25 miles across lake pontchartrain in new orleans i swam across the caribbean I did the first swim from an island of Culebra to Puerto Rico, which is 24 miles. Um, and then, uh, yes, yeah, we the Colorado River uh, for, for 47 miles in just under 15 hours. And so, uh, I joke that, um, you know, I've had a lot of time, Mac, to think about why oysters don't share their pearls. And do you know about why oysters don't want to share their I pearls? I have no idea. No. It's because they're shellfish. <laughs> but, but seriously, you know, I've learned a lot about what open water swimming can really teach us in life and the, and from organizations and management and even through human resources and talent acquisition, you know, is putting the right team around you, right, to get you across and who are those people. And sometimes, you know, I've I learned the hard way that they're not your best friends. They're, they're people that bring other skills To the table, like a fighter pilot who can sit in a canoe for 16 hours and not complain and keeps you right on track, Um, you know, building the right team. And then they're setting big goals. Right. And then you have the goal setting and then you have the planning and the preparation and doing the homework and the training, you know, and getting up at 440 in the morning to go out into a cold pool uh, in the darkness and cold, um, you know, and doing the hard work behind the scenes to make yourself ready and to prepare. Um, and then there's the perseverance of just sticking with it, right. And really making, making it happen and believing in your dream and just doing anything you can to, to, to make it happen. And for me, it's always about a bigger cause than myself. Um, it's about, the organization like American rivers and I'm swimming for who's protecting rivers. And so I'm just helping them. So I'm really just a small part in this sort of journey. Um, And maybe I'm the swimmer out there, but there's a much bigger cause. And I think we're going to talk about that in, in a little bit later, but it's something that I believe is, is really key to success in life and probably in a job interview too, is that when you make things about something bigger, That it's not just about me, 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 or it's not just about yourself, making yourself look good. It's about what is the bigger cause? How do I fit into this bigger picture? And so I think that's really important, but that's, that's kind of what I take away from, from these open water swims and how I apply it to life and my career.
0: So when you're doing these open water swims, do you, so let's just say you, you've done the 52 mile swim on the green river, you've done the Colorado. I'm assuming now you're not swimming against the current right
2: oh no good
0: Lord. <laughs> that's I the mean, only you time they have, you can to have feel like my like arms about as big is, as my legs yeah yeah
2: i'm moving it about the current's giving me about a mile push a mile per hour push um and so it's helps oh for sure but it's still i'm still in the water for 15 hours and swimming so yeah. uh, so
0: when you're so like when you're doing like let's take like poncha train I've driven across that on that long bridge that is oh, yeah. <laughs> filthy dirty water I mean do you have to get a tetanus shot before you even attempt well, something like you that You know it's
2: so funny you say that you know my mom was like what are you doing getting in that water you're going to die you know and not just because it's it people have this perception that it's dirty and filthy but because there's bull sharks and alligators and snakes and all sorts of other stuff out there but um You know, that was exactly the point that I swam at, Mac, was because the Lake Pontchartrain Basin Foundation and Save Our Lake organization had been working for 25 years to clean up this body of water. And you're right. It was a filthy slime pit and they had dredged the bottom. They had ruined the wildlife. Um, There was agricultural runoff. There was oil drilling. I mean, you name it. This lake was being assaulted on all fronts and it used to be the cultural center of new orleans it used to be where everybody would go out to the lakefront on you know cool summer evenings uh, to get away from the city heat and it was a it was it was just a big center of the of the fabric of the social life of new orleans and the lake died so that's why i swam was to, to raise awareness that this this organization had cleaned it up and it was it's it's a beautiful lake and you know, people do have this impression of it. And I wanted to show that, yes, we could swim in it. It is a resource. It is beautiful. And we, you know, there's one thing the American River says. Uh, people can't live where fish can't swim, you know. And okay. so if we destroy our water, it, you know, eventually if we destroy our water systems and our waterways and our beautiful lakes and rivers, we're we're destroying ourselves in the end. And And I think that's water is the most critical issue of our time it's not going to be oil it's not gold
0: um it's water well you definitely have got people's attention if this is what you're doing to raise awareness so you've done the colorado now You know, I grew up in Southern California and even as a kid, we would have a drought every so often. And then they would, you'd go to the restaurant and they wouldn't just put water at your table. You'd have to ask for it. Mm -hmm. But today, you know, I don't live there anymore, but today they're in a perpetual state of drought. So, you know, you're the, you're a water guy. What do you think the biggest problem is with that whole situation there?
2: Well, yeah, it's pretty simple. It's overuse by humans and it's the way that we've tried to manage a river by creating these massive reservoirs like Lake Powell that, you know, evaporate water. I mean, we don't have to, there's a whole, that's a whole different podcast, right? Uh, Yeah, yeah, probably it's just
0: intriguing to me. Yeah. Cause I've seen Lake Powell when it was full and I've seen it on the news and it's like, wow.
2: It's almost at Deadpool levels where, you know, after this year, it might be a situation where it's not even running the power anymore. And that's serious. That's 40 million people who depend upon that power. Um, and when I swam, it was June 27th, and the water should have been anywhere from eight to twelve thousand cubic feet per second. You know, it's really flowing, um, and it was nineteen hundred. It was the lowest flows ever recorded in, in since we've been recording water, and and so that's why it was. You know, it was a really particularly impactful swim. Um, dana Frankoff from pixar has made a wonderful little documentary called silent river about the the swim that's going to be premiering at coast film festival in laguna on november 12th so that's pretty exciting yeah except that the topic is so difficult uh but um yeah so there's there's a lot of things we can do about about the river i mean um it's just a matter of are we prepared to collaborate and communicate together to manage it so that we can
0: continue to thrive I mean that's going to be the real question and well, that brings us I, back to communications right well exactly so uh, yeah we're, we're just about done with your morning routine and then i want to get into that but one last question for you on that what is the next big swim you're going to do if you got something on the calendar
2: <laughs> you know i was just talking to my wife about that because it was like oh, i need you know i haven't i've been swimming a little bit for the last you know five months since since june but uh you know not not really training too hard and so i'm kind of ready to to get back into it you know i've always tried to try to have something around the corner um there's a couple of races that i really love to do that i'll probably sign up for the race around key west uh Hmm. that's 12 and a half miles around you know circumnavigating the island of key west that's in june um there's a couple other things like that that i'm going to put on my calendar but yeah it's fun keeps somebody said yesterday you're you're doing insane things to keep you sane
0: yeah, well, I think that's probably the the secret to any of it, right? Push yourself to new levels and then say, "Wow, look what I've done now." I guess the human potential is pretty much limitless if you, I guess, think of it that way. As obviously you do when you're thinking of these new long swims that you're going to do. So, I am I'm really impressed, Matt. That's that's really, I mean, for me, moving around in the hot tubs about as good as it gets, but for you to <laughs> swim, you know, the Colorado River, That's great. But let's talk about your book and let's talk about communication strategies. You've mentioned that you've worked with political campaigns and you've worked with other organizations. When I work with organizations and they say we're struggling, usually the first thing out of their mouth is, yeah, we have issues with communication. And it doesn't even have to be a large company, it'd be a tiny little one. Why is communication such a big deal and how can we improve that? (laughs)
2: <laughs> you know that's why I wrote the book uh, you know I, I set out to investigate in and look I've worked with a trim people that with tremendous leadership capacities excellent communicators people that really got it that knew how to manage interest but I've also worked with people that you know even at the same time can can also you know trip up on it and I always find too it's funny how in any times of crisis or pandemic or, you know, when the shit hits the fan, excuse me, Mm -hmm. but it's always communications that's the first to go, right? It's always the first in a budget cut. We're the last to know about any problem. Um, It's just, it's kind of a funny the where it always, you know, I was working with an organization last year and they were supposed to have four communications people. They had one, you know, Mm. and it's just, And their budget allowed for four, but yet they just did not prioritize it in a way. And so they just thought the one person could do all the four people's jobs, you know, and that's just the way it was. And then they turn around and wonder, why do we have these problems, you know? Um, And so uh, it was six years ago and I was invited to give a talk at center camp at a, a little arts conference in the desert called Burning Man and Mm. (laughs) um it was on being it was called gonzo communications and the centerpiece of it was building off this philosophy that you're a participant in life and not a spectator and that that's what gonzo from the 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 author hunter s thompson really meant It, it didn't mean being crazy it meant putting yourself in the story um and that has that has really profound impacts for not just journalism but for how we approach the entire world is that you know as the Hopi prophecy says, you know, do not look outside of yourself for a leader. We are the ones we've been waiting for. And I think that's a really big, profound way to look at life because we all know people that are sort of what, you know, waiting back, like, why didn't I get that job? Or, you know, how come nobody wants to hire me? And, you know, it's sort of like, well, you kind of, kind of go out and make it happen, you know? And, mm-hmm. and, and that's not always the case. I realize that's simplifying things very much, but, um, what I wanted to do in the book was since that time, uh, it, you know, the, the big question coming out of that talk was, okay, well, if people are so good at, you know, these leaders and managers can be can be good at what they do, why can people be so bad at communications and what can we do about it? And how can I maybe give people some strategies and some tactics for Being better communicators, managing a vision for how you move something from point A to point B. You know, what does success look like for an organization? Where are you going? And you know, Mac, because you've worked with a lot of people out there, that's not always so easy. Hmm. You know, you sit down with somebody in a job interview, what do you want? And and listen to the words just start to sort of stumble out. People don't think about that question. I've heard presidential candidates unable to answer the question of why they want to be president. You know, I mean, it's, it's astounding to me sometimes the level that of unclarity that people don't, they, they don't bring to the game. Um, and so that's what I wanted to do in ignition. So I interviewed dozens of people at the tops of their field from F-16 fighter pilots to astrophysicists, top selling authors, producers at Disney um, you know, leaders of global advertising campaigns and really wanted to drill down. What were the things that made them successful at telling their stories? You know, what were, what were their sort of secrets or their trade? And so that's what the, that's what the book is about, you know, and it's sort of all these stories from the front lines of communications challenges. And I know sometimes I, I speak a lot and I'm like, all right, we're going to talk about communications planning and it's going to be really exciting. and People You know, you're like, what? And and, you know, they don't know that I'm going to talk about, you know, blowing Hunter Thompson's ashes out of a cannon for a funeral or, you know, other types of uh, fun kind of uh, of activities. But, you know, I try to make it as fun as possible.
0: (laughs) Well, I think what you do is you throw a little bait out there like, oh, my God, tell us about shooting Hunter S. Thompson's ashes out of the cannon. Right. You're almost like giving us breadcrumbs. But but this is fascinating stuff. That book took you what about five years to write? It
2: did, yes, five five six years in the making, uh, and it came out just came out in June from Routledge Publishing. Uh, it's been been on kind of the road for the last couple of months, and tons of speaking gigs and wonderful podcasts like yourself, and it's been a lot of fun, and particularly because I feel people are responding to this notion, sort of coming out of a pandemic that, yeah, you know, this is maybe really important stuff here, this communications. And, you know, that one of the other questions that drove me, Mac, was that if people, you know, here we can have this conversation and we can have, you know, calls with friends from Germany to Japan in the middle of the night, and we're so interconnected, then more so than ever before, and it's caused a massive revolution in how we relate to each other, And part of that is that we're not very good at it anymore. And that I feel like we're losing the human connection and, you know, it's, it's boring out in statistics of increased um, mental health issues, increased suicides among youth, you know, where they're feeling more isolated and alone than ever before. And that's a great paradox for me because we're so connected more than ever before.
0: Is it that we're just used to things being so automated now that we feel like, hey, I'll just shoot a text out. That'll take care of it. Or is there something deeper? Because without the technology, I mean, I I was thinking back um, the other day, my first duty station in the Navy back in the early 80s, I was overseas. And all we could do is write letters. And Mm. those letters (laughs) took at least two weeks to get to the U.S. And then, of course, someone's got to open it, read it, write their response, A, a phone call every once in a while cost a fortune.
2: Yeah, and, but how you know, meaningful that was, was that letter, right? When oh you got God, a letter you from somebody- could wait for the mailman.
0: Yeah, it's like when you walk, around, well, where I live in Tennessee, you see old people racing out to the mailbox to get junk mail most of the time, but maybe they're so used to like, wow, here's my old window to the world. Yeah, But you're I mean, right, I, you devoured it. You read it over and over, <laughs> you touched it, you smelled it. And now- and Yeah. Yeah, When
2: you sat down to write a letter to somebody, it meant something and and you meant something by sending it and taking the time to put a stamp on it and address, you know? uh, And I think that part of it goes back to what I mentioned earlier about my theory. And I don't, this is just Matt Mosley talking here, but I believe that it's because people are so a lot more self-centered these days and that they're, If you make things about yourself, right, it's much more difficult to find satisfaction. It's why, you know, it's like, look at what I'm wearing, look at what I'm, you know, and it's, you see this in job interviews, how much are you going to pay me? What is this? Like, what are my benefits? And instead of like, okay, here's, here's the value I'm going to bring to this organization. Here's how I'm going to pull you along. Here's what, here are the things that are really important for me to share with you, you know? And like, I... I go into like, have you ever had anybody go into an interview and just really take the upper hand? Like, I don't really care about your questions. I want to talk to you and I have questions for you mm-hmm. um, uh, because I'm going to make a life decision here and I want to make sure it's right for all of us and that I there is a space for me to
0: bring value here. So let's, let me begin, right? (laughs) I think it would. Yeah. Well, someone would say, wow, you're really full of yourself, but it (laughs) seems to me that you're auditioning. You ought to be the one taking the lead in that interview, right?
2: Right. Exactly. And, you know, interviews that sit back and just sort of listen, there is a time for that, of course. Um, But when, you know, it's about, it's about being proactive. And I talk a lot in my book about that the, kind of the secret of being good at communications is is being proactive is that means you're setting the agenda and you're defining the terms of the debate and people other people reacting to you and just since we're I had mentioned hunter thompson i'll there's a chapter in here um and late one night we were in his kitchen i would worked with him to, to free a woman from prison it was a seven-year campaign and so we had, uh, I was late, it was, we had just literally, I'm not joking, blown up a bomb in his backyard. Um, and so he asked me, we, had, we were talking about politics and I think Lyle Lovett was there and some other celebrities. And he turns to me and he says, you know, cause he knew, you know, knows I had worked in political campaign. And he says, do you know what the meaning of the word politics is? Mac, I stumbled on this very basic question. Like voting, governance, policy, wrong. He said, politics, son, is the art of controlling your environment. And those who control their environment the best win the day, rightly or wrongly. And usually that involves telling better stories that make people react to them. And in business, we have there's a term of art called first mover advantage. It's the same thing. Um, It's those who are out there in front. It's a very strategic business move. And we have to look no further than somebody like Tesla and Elon Musk, right? People are responding to them now. They have set the terms of the debate and are, for for the most part, controlling the agenda of the auto market, which was unheard of 10 years ago. Um, And so I think that that in terms of communication
0: as a as a fundamental piece of what we do is just so important. So it's the art of controlling your environment, our definition of politics, being out in front. So so let's take that to a practical application, because for our audience who's listening, I, and I'm just going to take a stab at this, just based on what I've seen lately, is we have to figure out our return to the office plan and you know the media is saying that employees don't want to have to go to the office anymore people are quitting because they just feel like hey i don't want to have to sit in the traffic anymore yet here we are paying a phenomenal amount of rent for an office downtown we need butts Mm -hmm. in the seats and how do i mean so that's i guess the one of the bigger questions that my audience is wrestling with how do we do this from where you sit something like this how would we be out in front how would we be able to control that environment if this is something that we've got to get done this year?
2: You know, that's a great question. And I'm, uh, there's a really good friend of mine. I'm not going to say the organization, but it's a major organization in Los Angeles. And, you know, they're talking about closing down their division in Los Angeles and moving them to another city in Florida. And yet all of this is rumor and innuendo. Right. And nobody really knows what's happening. And so it's that climate of uncertainty of where people is where fear develops and rumor and innuendo. And then it's hard to put the genie back in the bottle. So I think in whatever way you can bring clarity to those kinds of things like, okay, hey, we're looking at going back into the office like Google. We're looking at going back in the office, January 1, 2022, at least everybody has a sort of benchmark of that. And now- can there be changes and stuff for for sure? But you know, I think anytime we can bring clarity, I think leaving an information vacuum is probably the worst thing that we can do.
0: What about for the companies? Because I think there were several who, in the height of the pandemic, sort of made this emotional pronouncement that you know what, from now on, you can work from from wherever you want because this is working after you know two or three months of a virtual workforce. And I know that a lot of them are having to walk that back. How can you walk (laughs) it back now without totally destroying the trust that you are about to destroy? (laughs) Well, you know, it's interesting. And I I would love to have a different
2: conversation with you about this because I'm kind of fascinated with, you know, this sort of this yin yang of what you bring about of like, okay, because I I sort of saw like, oh, yeah, we're going to just go to all virtual office place. And now I'm seeing like companies that I know are like, get your butt back in the office. We need <laughs> some productivity. And and that they're learning that the value of the connection with teams is is, is just huge. And that I work best in an office with other people. I, I just do. You know, I think a lot of people feed off of it. Now, look, there's certain programmers that maybe don't even need to be in there. But, uh, you know, that's just a fascinating subject. You know, I wanted to just also mention... Um, too, that, you know, in my book, I talk a little bit about, you know, this whole subject of communications, it's sort of like water, right? Like, duh, we don't think about it a lot if it's already there, unless it tastes bad, or we don't like what we hear, right? So I think they're very similar in that way. It's kind of funny. And, you know, with communication, why I think it's so important here is that in my research over the book, um, I found that paleontologists and other scientists had discovered that, you know, we're homo sapiens, but there were many other sapiens that were roaming the earth and that we achieved dominance over other tribes of sapiens and other species was because of our ability to communicate. We had dropped the larynx so that we could be louder or more vocal. And because we could then collaborate for a greater good and then pull ourselves together, we could drive other sapiens off the cliff. And, you know, that's kind of the point. And, and here we are. This one little element has been our secret sauce in the dominion of our entire planet, of our entire species. That's where we find ourselves today and why we survived. So I think it's and, going to be that important. And, for and yet
0: we don't do it very well. So <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah. could, could this be the demise of, you know, homo sapiens? Well, I've said the that million years, you know? I've
2: said that where, you know, it, look, climate change may be a big, big issue. We may have other issues, but if we can't get along together, that may not matter. You know, we're, we're putting ourselves kind of, but that's why I think it's the secret for us going forward is this better collaboration and communication, you know, and I think it makes for better, you know, bringing it back to our topic here it makes for better uh hiring it makes for better stories for employees and employers you know they're both you both have to tell stories about each other to Mm -hmm. to, to be attractive and it's not just the facts right because facts in a resume do not sometimes illuminate the full person right so it's you know and it's facts on a company you can't just look at a balance sheet and be like oh i really want to work for them you know, it doesn't tell you the culture. So um, I think those stories between employer and employee are just so important. Um, And they're not, you know, it's up to us, each one of us to make those, you know, kind of the facts of our, of our existence into kind of a story that then creates meaning. It's great.
0: Well, the story that I know my listeners want to know is in your book, Ignition, Superior Communication Strategies for Making Stronger Connections. Matt, how would my audience be able to reach out to you to have you help them with their strategy? And also, how do we get copies of the book?
2: Absolutely. Thank you for asking. Uh, So we're all over social media. It's Matthew Mosley, and we can be reached at a www.ignitionstrategygroup.com. .com, and we have a team of people and we work on all sorts of different issues and clients and, and thorny stuff and crises and issue management. I also do a lot of speaking and training and you can, I can be, you can reach me through the website. I'm also on LinkedIn, Facebook, YouTube, uh, Instagram, and all that good stuff. And so please reach out. We'd love to hear from you and would love to come and talk to any organization um, about why communications is such a vitally important function.
0: Excellent. Well, Matt, hey, I really appreciate you taking time to chat with us this morning. If you're listening to this, please reach out to Matt, find that book. It's one of those things that we all don't do well enough, and I think this is the perfect time in history to get better at it. Matt, thanks so much for spending time with us today. Thank you for having me, Mac.
1: Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the HR Oxygen podcast. We hope you found something today that will relieve your stress, feed your soul, and pump you up to face another day. At Boss Builders, we want to let you know that we appreciate the hard work you do every day as an HR professional. And, as a reminder, always make sure to adjust your own oxygen mask before attempting to help those around you. Be well.